Hey there, it's Colleen Thomas from Shame Piñata. Starting very soon, in addition to our regular monthly show, we will be producing a new series called Daily Magic for Peace. Each short episode will give you a chance to focus your intentions, prayers, and actions toward healing the crisis in Ukraine. We will get centered and then send our magic where it's needed. If you feel like you've done all you can, but you still want to do more, join us in doing some daily magic for peace. Today, I'm Walt Keeson. With me today are the dynamic duo of Daniel Mangana and Alex Standy. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Dan Mangana is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. He's trying to get a computer reboot out of the way so he can connect in successfully. But in the meantime, we're going to get to know our guest for the day, who is... who? She, are you actually con- connecting today from Sweden? Is that where you are right now, Karen? Yes, I live in Sweden, and I am definitely connecting from Sweden. So it's uh, wow. late evening here. It's, it's very really, late. Really dark. Yeah, yes, yeah. It is. So thank you mm-hmm. for for taking time this late in your evening to join us. Of we course, really appreciate no problem. <laughs> yeah, not well. Well, it can be a problem. I mean, you know, people have their hours; they have their privacy, and you you, mm-hmm. you decided to let us in. So that's that's a big deal, and we appreciate that very much. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, hey, Alex, uh, we were coming hey, before. We love the new background. This looks really good on you, girl. Really <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you stand it. out as usual. I mean, Alex always kind of takes over stage anyway, but uh, I just, she, she's going out of her way today. Yeah. But how's it going? How are you doing? It's going great. Do you recognize the background? Do I recognize? I think if, if, if memory serves, I think it comes from your wedding, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I so. yeah she got married last October. And, you did? Uh, oh, I did. congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So what, that's the backdrop of the wedding in some way? It was. Yeah. The altar. Yeah. 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 Ooh. So, very cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We sure. fancy over here, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in Sweden, we are more minimalistic. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. so much sparkle and gold. Well, we need oh, to kind of give you an offset. Today, so we're doing yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So anyway, let me introduce everybody to Karen. Karen is uh, a, a coach. She's an author. She is actually, this is really cool. This is hot off the press. She is the winner of the Independent Press Award for her book, Mind Hacking for Rebels. I mean, how cool is that? When was the last time we had a winner of the Independent Press Award here on the show? So, first of all, hey, congratulations, Karen. That is so Yay. cool. Thank you so much. Um, um, I'm really humble and uh, grateful and uh, happy and everything. So, when I got the, the note that I got an award, I was like dancing around in the room. <laughs> I didn't expect it at all. So, uh, I was very happy about it. I'm Good proud. For you. Yeah, yeah, you should be. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a rarefied atmosphere you're in right there. Really, really good. So tell, you gotta tell us a little bit of background about how the book came about and, and apparently it is, it's grabbing people's attention. So tell us also why you think it's grabbing their attention so much. 
Well, it's a little bit funny about the book because um, I don't really like to write. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not the first word not, you want to hear out of the mouth of an author, but that's okay. We'll exactly. <laughs> so uh, uh, many, many years ago, I worked within television and I work with news. So I'm really good at, at writing small, short texts. Ah, yes. But, you know, mm-hmm. a whole book, it's a different thing. So well, I was holding a lot of seminars and workshops and People just approached me and said, well, what you're saying about our deeper programming and everything, how it works, is so interesting. And I would like to tell my friends or my family or my husband, so couldn't you write a book? And I said, no, (laughs) for a long time. (laughs) And then finally, I couldn't resist. So I decided to, to start. So I started, but it didn't went very well because I stopped all the time. But then um, a couple of years ago, during Christmas, I said to myself, okay, Karen, either you do it or you just let it go. Because it was always a little bit in the back of my mind, like nagging there that, yeah. oh, you should do this. So I decided that either I do it or I don't. So um, I decided to do it. So and I just kind of collected all the information that I'm telling to people when I'm doing a seminar or if I have them as a client. And um, I didn't think that I had anything to say because there is so much, so a lot of books out there and everybody's talking about personal development and how to grow mm. and everything. So I thought like, okay, but I ha- do have a little bit of a different angle with the subconscious mind. So um, I... I consider myself being a rebel. So I thought that I need to have a title that is kind of reflecting who I am. And that's why I call it Mind Hacking for Rebels. So uh, you don't have to be a rebel, but at least you want to be a rebel a little bit, you know, (laughs) rebel against old structures (laughs) and old belief systems and rebel against fear and everything. Um, So and Mind Hacking, it was actually... Uh, I was inspired because um, uh, of biohacking. So today uh-huh. it's a very modern word to use hacking, you right, know, right. brain hacking, mind hacking, body hacking, life hacking. And hacking is really about just finding the most, the fastest and the most effective way to develop something. Right. Yes. So instead of taking the long route, you try to find what is the most effective and the fastest way that I can, for instance, optimize my body or optimize my brain or my mind. So that's really what I do with my clients. I try to find the fastest way for them to grow and to develop so it doesn't have to take years and years and years. Very good. I like that. I also need to take a moment and say hello to Sam and Presh who are saying hello in the live stream. So thanks for joining us today. We really do appreciate that. Um, I, I love what you were saying, though, about mind hacking and, and the word hacking because, well, I come from the IT background, which is where hacking as a term yeah. originates, right? And yeah. optimization, that also comes from the IT background, search engine optimization. So we have all these IT terms that are now kind of entering the mainstream in a new way. Which is, yeah. it's kind of odd to be perfectly honest, because I'm so used to thinking about it the other way. I'm having to actually readjust to, okay, here's the new way we're using these terms. But you're right. They are very evocative terms, especially hacking, um, because it has kind of a mixed feel to it. Yes. And on the one hand, it's like, it, it's, it's hacking is like you said, it's getting 
quickly to a shortcut that gets you there fast. On the other hand, there's also a little bit of, you know, uh, hacker spammer kind of a, a feel to it too. It's got, it's got an edge to it. And I was yeah. wondering if that edge was kind of what inspired you to choose that word to describe that digging into the subconscious mind that you do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because, um, hacking, like you said, you can think about it from different angles and mm-hmm. it's a little bit edgy on it. Yeah. So I wanted to have that because, um, being a rebel and daring to, to look at your subconscious mind and what is stored down there, you have to be a little bit edgy to do that. Uh, and I also, when I work with my clients, I kind of, trying to help them to be brave and to go down there and see what's really there and how to, and how we can change it. So yeah, I like the edge of the word hacking. And, and you just made a very important observation. It can be a little bit edgy to rephrase yeah. it, to kind of go into what's going on in our own subconscious minds. Yeah. That, 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 that's a challenge. And it's a challenge that we aren't always ready to make and to accept. So it, it also raises a couple of questions. First, let's talk about what your definition of what the subconscious mind is, because I think everybody has a little bit different definition. And then let's talk a little bit more about you know, what it takes to get into, you know, like, like you said, you have to have that little bit of an edge to get in there. Let's, let's talk about yeah. that edge. Yeah. So, well, um, I see the subconscious mind as a very big library uh, where everything is stored everything you learned, everything you experienced, and it's kind of becoming your autopilot. So I like to take an, uh, to make an example. If you go up in the morning, you know how to put the coffee maker on. You don't have to think every time, how do I do this? Lift, lift finger A, push button B. Yeah, you don't really do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, and when you uh, drive to work, you know how to do that almost in your sleep. And that's because everything that you do a lot of becomes automated. And that's really a good thing because it saves energy. Because otherwise, if you would go up every morning and do like, like it was for the first time, it would take forever and your brain would explode or something. <laughs> so, so the automatic system is really good, but there are downsides to it as well. And it can also store negative feelings, thoughts and behaviors. So if you have a lot of negative feelings or thoughts about yourself, they can also become automated. So they're kind of stored in this big library. And this library is automatically like kicking in to try to help you to save energy during the day, helping you move forward in an easy way, not using so much energy so you can focus on other things. And the other thing is also that the subconscious mind is kind of um, evaluating every situation that you meet and just noticing how can I survive here? What's the best strategy to make myself uh, loved or safe or accepted? And that is also automated. So every time you meet people or you go into a specific situation, the subconscious is like going down looking, like, what's the best kind of strategy here? Like, look at, oh, that's the one. We used that since we were four years old. It still works, right? <laughs> so... So I like to, to, to say that the subconscious is kind of a library with everything is stored, good and bad, and then it helps you to choose very fast strategies to make your day flow or to feel safe or to feel connected 
and that's about it. I have to say your subconscious card catalog sounds a whole lot better organized than mine is. I mean, oh, mine is even well, in alphabetical sometimes. order. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, pull, I pull out this card and I get this over here like, oh, no, what did I do this time? I mean, literally, that's the way it seems to work a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I my Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so we all have that. So um, what I say that sometimes when we work with ourselves and we notice that we have thoughts that are difficult to change or we have feelings that is still there 20 years later or we have behavior that it's not really productive, it's because it's stored in a library and it's used of convenience, you know, doing it really fast. Mm -hmm. So that's why the edge is to kind of go down in this library and to start to look at all the shelves and see where did that strategy that I have that's not beneficial for me, when did it start? How did it start? What kind of purpose did it have when it was installed? And why am I still using it today, even if it's not productive? And the most important question that my clients ask is, how do I change it? Um, so with hypnosis, I work a lot with hypnosis because that is a door into the subconscious mind. So I use that a lot because hypnosis is just, very easily explained, hypnosis is a way of slowing down the brain waves. And when you're slowing down the brain waves, your brain gets smarter, you get wiser, you get more creative, and you are more solution-oriented. So it's a natural for me to want to work with a person who's in hypnosis where I can use a lot more of the brain than we use in a normal conversation. And also in hypnosis, both uh, brain halves is kind of connecting and working together. So that's a really good thing. So that's why I use hypnosis, because I can then really help the person in a deep way. Uh, I get so much out of them. <laughs> well, it makes sense. It really makes a yeah. lot of sense. Because, I mean, just think about it from a conscious perspective, let alone hypnosis. When we're in a, in a relaxed state, we are in a more productive state. When we're yeah. highly agitated, mm -hmm. that's when we have the most mistakes made. That's when we have the most yep. difficulty resolving things. So it makes total sense, of course. Yeah. yeah. And it's also extremely hard to have different perspective of things or to relearn when we are stressed. Yes. So with hypnosis, you get a bit relaxed in the brain as well. So it's easier for the brain to, to see more perspective and to learn and to kind of incorporate new things and new ideas. So mm -hmm. it's a really good door to the subconscious mind. That's really good. I like that. I, I'm also reminded of something. This has actually come up as a topic a number of times on my Monday show, because as you know, um, I have different co-hosts on different day. And one of the uh, co-hosts on Monday is a gentleman named Louis D'Souza, who is originally from South Africa, but he and his family live in the UK at this point in time and have for quite some time. And Louis is very much of... A, an advocate of refilling and, and, and overfilling rather than trying to dig out. And what I mean by that is mm -hmm. a, a lot of techniques, and, and it sounds like kind of yours is along the same line, uh, it's more like dig in, find the stuff that, that is, is not producing, pull it out, and basically clear everything out so that you can work better. Whereas his thought process is, if, if we're using the library metaphor, 
well, instead of trying to pull out the books I don't want, just keep buying new books and push the old books out, and they'll, they'll eventually get washed away, mm-hmm. and all you'll have will be the new books. So I'm kind of curious. Yeah. How, how do you respond to that? That's interesting. Yeah, I thought so, too. It was a really interesting idea. Um, I was thinking about when I sometimes work with people who have um, bad eating habits. So we talk about them often going on a diet, taking away a lot of food that they crave or want, and after five days, they are in hell. So it's very hard for them to keep up the diet. So then we talk about with food that instead of taking away a lot of food, incorporate good things that normally push out the, f- the bad food eventually. So add a fruit, add a green smoothie or something instead of taking away things. And after a while, the body don't want the bad food anymore because it's filled with, you know, nutritious food. Sure. Yeah. So I think that this is kind of the same instead of just moving away the old books, just pushing them out with, with good books and filling it with a lot of good information and positive things, that's a good idea. It is, absolutely. But I do still sometimes has to have to um yeah remove things. <laughs> and and I think that's probably true. I guess where I'm looking for is when is it that you need to remove something and when can you just kind of fill it in? <laughs> yeah. Mm. I think it's very depending on the client. So like for a couple of days ago, I worked with a woman and she said to me that I have um, a huge problem with boundaries. So I allow people to just you know, walk all over me and I'm a people pleaser and I have no boundaries. I say yes to everything, even when it's not good for me. So when I work with her backwards, um, we found when she was about two, three years old, she saw a picture of herself sitting at the dinner table and her parents were feeding her and she could feel that she was full and she didn't want any more. But her parents, especially her mother, has her own point of view that said that, oh, you need more because you are supposed to eat everything on the plate because Mm -hmm. you need it. So her mother was kind of forcing her to eat, and she didn't want to do that. So I asked her, is that happen a lot? And she said, yeah, she was always, like, giving me more food than I wanted. So I said, that's Mm -hmm. the first time they, they kind of crossed your boundary. Sure. That I don't mm-hmm. decide myself over my body or when I'm full and everything. So what I had to remove there was the belief that she can't do anything about it. Mm, yes. Because as a child, you're sitting there in your little chair and you're mm-hmm. two or three years old. You can't speak and you can't do anything. So you are kind of a little bit powerless. So that I have to remove the thought or the belief that she was powerless, she couldn't protect her boundaries, she can't say no. So that is an example of when you need to remove uh, something that is not a belief that is not constructive or not good to have today. Okay, I mm-hmm. can see that. Yeah. Now, now that also leads to my next question, which is, how do you actually remove it? Because the thought that goes through my mind is, I mean, it, for my own habits that I wanted to replace or my own, you know, stuff that wasn't serving me well, 
I would usually say to myself, okay, it's a lot easier for me to replace a habit with another habit. So what habit do I yeah. want instead of this one? Or, or yeah. what behavior do I want instead of this one? But that doesn't yeah. necessarily match up with what you're talking about. So I'm curious, what what's the approach you take to actually overcoming whatever yeah. that, that X is? Be, because I, I wouldn't maybe consider this as a habit that someone mm-hmm. is crossing her boundaries, more like a belief system that she can't stop yeah. it. Sure. So it depends on if it's a habit or not. But with here, it's actually just a deep conversation because I bring in the adult of her as well. So, and I ask her, if you see that little child and she, she can't protect her boundaries, is that true today, basically? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she says, no, it's not. <laughs> it's just an old feeling or an old belief that I have. And it's mm-hmm. just popping up when I'm with people this kind of reflex, like I said, the subconscious mind is the library. It go to the Rolodex and call it, oh, this situation with other people, what should I do with my boundaries? Oh, we have no boundaries. We can't do anything. <laughs> and you just react the same way like you did when you were two or three years old. Mm-hmm. So by helping her just to realize that she has that belief is helping her to say, wow, I didn't know I had that belief so early and now I understand what it comes from. And that's actually not, not true today, but because today I'm a grown up person and I can definitely say no. And when I'm full and <laughs> what I want and what I don't want. So it's kind of just being conscious about uh, a belief that is really, really old and it's not up to date and then you can let it go. So that's very easy. So the hard thing is more for me when they have a habit because a habit has been there for a very, very long time and it's very ingrained and that you sometimes have to approach in a a different way depending on what kind of habit it is. Mm. Yes, that's true. So then I can... Uh, I can work with the client and say, okay, what's the habit? Where did it start? Did it have a function at that point when it started? So we can dig a little round there. And there often I try to help them in a more practical way with small changes. Because a lot of people, when they make changes, they they want to make very big changes from the beginning. So I'm telling them often they are not aiming low enough. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So they are not aiming low enough to do something that they think is very trivial. But, you know, there is something you can do and you will do that will finally make improvements or change the habit. But often we have very high standards or we are demanding a lot of ourselves. So we say, I don't want to do that trivial little stuff. I want to do the big stuff and then we fail. So I always help them to break down to something that is so trivial to them that they say, oh, I don't want to do that. If I do it, nothing will happen. It's so small. I will never, I will never uh, be able to to cross the finish line, it will take too long time. I w- I don't want to do it. So I say, yeah, but you're not aiming low enough. Go lower, go lower, go lower. Is there something you can do that is so easy for you to do that you can't say, oh, I can't do it? And then you start from there. So sometimes a habit is just doing it practical for a long, long time. 
That, that's mm-hmm. an interesting observation there. I, I, I think you, you really hit on something because you're right. A lot of these, these things that we've carried through from very early childhood years are, they're, they're kind of stuck in there in part because we dismiss them as unimportant. They're actually fairly yeah. important. They're the ones yeah. that are driving a lot of what's going on. But, oh, that's not, that, I, that was, just, I was a kid. That didn't, that didn't mean anything at all. It all matters. It all matters. It really yep. does. Absolutely. Yeah. And often people say to me, I don't know how I got here <laughs> yes. with my life. It's a mess or, or something. And they don't realize that it's, it's all these small steps along the way that finally mm-hmm. they just didn't get there in the bad situation over a week or two. It took them a long, mm-hmm. long time, small, small steps. So you kind of had to track backwards and do the same thing, backwards really small. But a lot of us, me too, I'm not patient. So sometimes you want to do bigger things because you want to see the results faster. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, who who doesn't want to have fast results, right? Absolutely. But sometimes it's very hard with habits. And what I often ask my clients to do is also to, to track uh, backwards and see where the problem is starting. I, I can take myself as an example. Um, I'm not a morning person and I wanted to, to wake up earlier to meditate and it was very, very hard for me. Um, so, and I was very cocky. So I said to myself that, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up one hour earlier <laughs> and I couldn't do it. And I just snoozed and I, I did. I did understand after a while, because first I was really hard on myself. Why can't I wake up one hour earlier? What's the problem with me? Come on, Karen, you can do better. But then I started to track backwards because often we try to change the problem too late in the chain. So I track backwards and see, okay, why can't I go, uh, why can't I wake up one hour earlier? Mm-hmm. Well, it was because I went too late to bed. So I didn't get my hours. Mm-hmm. And then I tracked even further back and I said, okay, so why am I not going to bed on time? Well, it's because I was looking at a movie or I read something in a book or I worked a little bit on my computer. And why did I do that? Well, because I thought that I needed to do something. I need to finish something or I wanted to to watch a movie and, you know, the blue light from the computer making the brain wake up. So when I went to bed, I was quite alert. Mm. <laughs> so it took me away um, a while also to, to go to sleep. So I had to track back and see the problem didn't start with uh, me not waking up the first hour there. It was that I didn't go to bed in time. I couldn't sleep because I was watching something on the screen and the blue light woke up my brain. So I had to start like 8 o'clock p.m. in the evening and say, okay, how am I going to wind down to be able to get to sleep and go to bed and then go up and uh, wake up, you know, one hour earlier? So often you have to track back, further back than you think, and see where does the problem start. That's very interesting. You also mentioned uh, blue light coming from monitors and televisions and so forth. It's yeah. a really great point. I, I, I can't say I'm an expert, and it's not something we've discussed on the program. So go into that for just a moment. What's that all about? 
Yeah, well, um, researchers have found that the blue light from the screen is uh, activating the brain and kind of stopping the melatonin from happening that, you know, you get tired. So it wakes up the brain, and that's really hard for you to go to sleep because the the brain gets alert, and it takes a, about two or three hours after you kind of stop watching a screen before the brain starts to relax and can go to sleep. So um, there's a lot of research about it, and this is typically a biohacking trick. So what I've done is I, I've actually bought special, you know, glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is uh, tinted in uh, a little bit of an orange color, and it okay. blocks out the blue light. So if I want to watch a movie in the evening, <laughs> I still want to go to bed and go to sleep like I should. I can watch the movie. I just put the glasses on, and they have this tinted color of orange, and it blocks out the blue light. And then I can go to bed two hours later, and I can just go to sleep immediately. That is really fascinating. I'm, and I'm thinking yeah. about my wife, actually, uh, yeah. because, well, with her, it's kind of interesting in another way, too. One of her favorite ways to fall asleep is to turn the television on to a favorite program and let that yeah. put her to sleep, mm-hmm. which kind of which kind of contradicts. You do the same thing, Alex. Okay, I do. So you mm-hmm. know what yeah. that's like, right? So it's it's almost like on the one hand, on the other hand, on the one hand, you got the blue light keeping you awake. On the other hand, you got the program putting, which is it? I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why it's really hard sometimes to answer a question because it's often general, you know, mm. and uh, we humans are different. So for some people, it's very soothing with the television. And actually, if you watch TV, you go into a little bit of trance. True. Very when true, you do yes. it. So for some people, it's very relaxing. The brain mm-hmm. shuts off and you kind of feel like, mm, it's a good feeling and you go into some kind of trance and it's kind of the first stage of sleep. But sense. for most people, <laughs> it's more that the blue light is awakening the brain. That's interesting. So Alex, I mean, because uh, Karen, you got to know, Alex is like our TV guru. She is on top Ooh. of all the latest programs. She knows what all the spoilers are. She knows the whole thing. So she's like a TV watching expert. So Alex, Ooh. from your perspective, when you're hearing this, what are you thinking about? Oh, I already solved this problem. Um, I have advanced everything in my house. So all my uh, devices have blue light filters. Oh, oh. really? Yeah. <laughs> my TV has a blue light filter. My phone has a blue light filter. And I think that's, yeah, that's about it. All the lights that's are all off. The screens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all the screens. Yeah. That's very cool. So mm-hmm. you, you dealt with that problem early on because you knew you were going to be a TV consumer because that's well, part of what you do. It was, it was trying to figure out how to solve the insomnia and, and everybody was like, no, you got to turn your TV off. And I was like, it's not happening. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> Sorry, no. Next. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we had to figure it out, and that was one of the the advancements that technology gave us. Yeah. So, blue light filters on everything. Yeah. That's so the cool. glasses is is the same. It works the same way. Mm-hmm. It's a filter, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. have the glasses instead. So I think that's a really good idea. So, so it's a it's a good thing to just think backwards in in the chain and see where does it start and. Often we have to start earlier with the problem. We start to try to solve it too late, too late in the chain. 
That, that's a really interesting point. I, and I never really thought about it as a chain, but you're right. It's a chain of actions or a chain of events or a chain yes. of steps, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, yeah. But you're right. We don't tend to look very far back very often when we're trying to resolve these issues. And I think that's no, probably because right. we, aren't, we, we aren't really sure exactly how far to go back, right? I mean, how how, how far is far? <laughs> Yeah, well, sometimes it's not that far. Sometimes it's just seeing, like we said, that, okay, I watch TV, I don't have, uh, I, I, I get the blue light and my brain wakes up. So that's quite easy. But sometimes you have to, to work your way all the way to your childhood for a habit and see that something started there when you were very young. And the brain... Um, has a little bit of problem with that, but when you form a habit very early, the brain thinks that that's the best solution Mm. and the only solution. Mm. So even if you are 30 or 40 years older, the brain still use that old strategy because it thinks that that works, so why change it? (laughs) Save energy. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, recycle it over and over again. But also the brain is, uh, but this works and it doesn't trust and doesn't like to change it to something else. Because, so the brain thinks that this is the only thing that is working. That's why when, if we take food again as an example, if you eat some uh, chocolate or something else and you tell the person to, to change it to a, to a walk in nature, it doesn't work sometimes because the mm. brain says, no, I want my chocolate. <laughs> but if you go for a walk in nature, no, I don't want that. I want my chocolate. I want the chocolate, yes. <laughs> exactly. So the brain is quite stubborn, and that's because the subconscious is kind of making that this is the solution. Nothing else works. Nothing else is good enough. It's only the chocolate. So then you have to 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 dive into when did it start with, for example, the chocolate, and um, what is it helping you with? What's the, the, the bonus of it? What's the, what's the good thing you get out of it? Well, I have to admit, if you're going to have something that's going to haunt you like that, it might as well be chocolate. I mean, you exactly. might as well enjoy it while you're going down. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say hello to Luke, who's also checking in the live stream. Nice to have you here. Nice to see people uh, checking in and checking us out while we're talking today to Karen Hyden, who is, This is so cool. She is the independent press award winner for her book, Mind Hacking for Rebels. And we're talking about some of the concepts involved in that book. And we we, we talked earlier about the the term mind hacks. These are some interesting mind hacks that you're presenting to us here, because that's really what they are, right? These are the mind hacks that you're talking about. Yes, exactly. And I I, um, (laughs) want to say that there's nothing new under the sun, right? Sure. (laughs) But, but, but it's, it's, um, what I've learned over the years is that these small, simple things, they work. So sometimes we try to find something new or something more advanced, but it often these small little things that still is the best. They work the best. So we've identified that the little things are the ones we need to pay attention to. And we've yeah. also learned that we need to go far enough back in the chain, to use your phrase, in order to identify yeah. the appropriate place to go to to make a change and the way mm-hmm. our, our minds are programmed. One of the things I'm liking so far is you don't really, with your approach, you're not trying to change the subconscious mind. You're not trying to restructure it. You're, you're just trying to make little tiny shifts in it. 
yeah. knowing that that's all it's going to take. It, it's it's kind of like using leverage, right? You don't you yeah. don't you know, bring in an army to push the, the 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 car out of the way. You just get the car going down the hill and it starts moving on the way all by itself. You don't have to worry about it that way because you're using the leverage of of the gravity. So yeah. that's that's pretty much what you're doing with these the small little tiny hacks, as we're calling them, is, is yes. creating that leverage. Yeah. That leverage is also the key to achieving that goal that you mentioned earlier. We want to have things happen quickly. Yeah. So I imagine, now I'm, I'm kind of perhaps stretching it a little bit here, but I imagine that when you start applying these little hacks, you do get there quicker. That's one of the reasons they're hacks, right? Absolutely. Because I've tried to find hacks that I know, uh, either scientifically or, you know, I've tried it with so many people. So you can see that if you apply them consistently over time, they will absolutely make a huge difference in your life. Um, so the only thing you need to do is do it consistently. That's the, so, because sometimes people talk about you know, motivation a lot. You need a motivation. I'm going to inspire you and I'm going to motivate you. But, you know, sometimes motivation doesn't work. <laughs> Unless it's um, chocolate, but I mean, other than that. <laughs> exactly. So consistently is uh, more important to be consistent than being motivated. So people that are really good at doing things like, you know, people who are out there running every day or uh, jogging or walking, they go out even if it's raining or it's dark or everything. And they're not always motivated to do it, but they know that they have to do it consistent. And one hack that is really important, and I know that, uh, you know, the coach Mel Robbins is talking mm-hmm. about it as well, this mm-hmm. five-second rule. Oh, yeah. So it's really What's important the five to second un- rule? what it is. Yes. What is the five second rule? Yeah. So the five second rule is that uh, researchers have found that when you make a decision, let's say you tell yourself that I need to work out. So I need to mm-hmm. go for a walk every day, 30 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. You come home from work and you sit in the sofa and you decide that, okay, I'm going to go out and take this walk in about five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And you don't. You sit right. still in the sofa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that researchers have found that you have about five seconds when you decide something before the brain goes, mm, no. because the brain wants to keep you in the comfort zone right right so you look out it's dark it's raining and the brain says no Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is hard i don't want to do it so it actually it's really important that you are the fastest gunman in town because you Mm -hmm. only have five seconds when you decide to do something mm-hmm. before the brain shuts down or saying like, no, I don't want to do this. And the five second rule is that you, you count backwards from five to one. Mm-hmm. So five, four, three, two, one. And then you just stand up, walk right into the, you, to, to the entrance, 
you know, put your shoes on, your jacket, and you walk. So mm-hmm. the five-second rule is that you have to do it within five seconds. And when you count down, you kind of rewire the brain the other way, you know, like almost shooting away um, a rocket or something. And mm-hmm. five, four, three, two, one, and on one, you just activate your body. You do something. So you're kind of breaking the thought that I don't want to do anything, Um I want to, I don't, um, I want to sit here in the sofa. It's more comfortable. So you kind of break that thought by, you know, stand up and move the body. So that's often what I tell clients that that is better because their motivation, because if you say to yourself, I'm going to walk for 30 minutes every day, Mm -hmm. come home, you're tired, you see the rain, you see the dark, you don't want to do it. You can't rely on motivation. Right. Because the motivation will come and go, come and go. So instead, if you just do this five, four, three, two, one, and you, so you're not allowing the brain to think too much. Mm-hmm. You're not allowing the brain to come up with excuses because five seconds is, is not very long time. So you just have to move really quickly. So you go out and often people say that the, the hardest thing for them to do is to just get out, you know, the hurdle to start mm-hmm. something. But when they started it, it's very easy to just continue. So sure. I, I've saw, I've seen that research is telling that, saying that I think it's about 80% that when they started something, they continue. Mm-hmm. So it's just that first hump to get over. So the five-second rule is helping you to just, move. And I actually used it on a client because I had a client, she started uh, her own business. Mm-hmm. And she, she went to network meetings and she wanted to to approach different people to talk to them about her business and her ideas, but she didn't dare to do it. She kind of, she thought like, no, I don't want to disturb him. She looks really busy. No, I'm not going to do this today. So she came to me and she said, if I don't do anything, my business is, I'm going to out of business in a year. So I needed to help me to move forward and to connect to people and approach them. So mm-hmm. I said to her, well, that behavior or habit started somewhere. So we moved back in time and we entered an age when she was around two, three years old. And she was very curious as a little girl. So at one moment, she's alone. Her mother is somewhere in the apartment and she sees the sun. And the, this little girl, she managed to crawl up on a chair, up on the kitchen table. <laughs> and she was pressing her little nose and her hands on the window. And she was totally fascinated about the sun. Mm-hmm. And then her mother enters the, the kitchen. And, you know, as a mother, if you see your little toddler standing on the kitchen table, uh, yeah. she got mm-hmm. very scared. Ah! She said, ah, no, 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 come down, come down, don't do that. And I said, okay, so how are you feeling when your mother does that? She says, well, I'm feeling very disappointed because I wanted to, to look at the sun. Mm-hmm. And then I asked her, uh, can you remember, is this a pattern that your mother often, when you are curious, when, when you are moving forward, your mother often do stop you in a way. And she thought about it and she said, yeah, you're right. She always said, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. Don't do that. Careful. 
So I said, okay, I want you to fast forward a couple of years, and I want you to notice what happens to a little girl when she have heard that many, many times. Stop, don't do that, be careful. And she had a picture of herself when she was about six or seven, and she said, I noticed that I stopped doing things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I looked to my mother for approval Right. So if my mother's saying that, yeah, it's okay for you to do it, I will do it. Otherwise, I become very passive. Mm. So I said, okay, so can you recognize that today you are about 35 years old, 30 years later, when you go to these network meetings, are you waiting for some kind of approval from someone to approach people? And she said, oh, yes, I do. Okay. Mm. So it feels like there is a part of you that is not grown up enough to say, I don't need anyone's approval. <laughs> I can move forward and I can approach people that I think is interested, interesting. So she still had a voice that she need to get someone's approval. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I told her that this is not true anymore. You don't need anyone's approval. That The little girl needed it, but not you. So what I want you to do is to realize that you are a grown-up woman now, and I want you to count from five to one. So I want you to spot the first person <laughs> you want to talk to, and then you're going to say to yourself, I decide to do this. I approve. And then you're going to say to yourself, five, four, three, two, one. And you're going to move forward to that person, and you're going to say, hello, my name is, and introduce yourself. So you get that motor going. Right. Mm-hmm. And she emailed me a couple of weeks later and she said, Oh, it's amazing. It works. <laughs> because first, I understand that I'm not that little girl. I don't need the approval of an authority or my mother or someone else. I can, you know, approve myself. And the second is that you gave me a starting ritual. So mm-hmm. I could start move before I was thinking about maybe that person is uh, don't want to talk to me. Maybe he or she's not interested or they're too busy. Instead, I just counted down and I start moving. And suddenly I found myself standing in front of the person and saying hello. So that is a combination of kind of getting rid of a belief that you need to have some kind of approval but also giving them the, you know, the energy and the practical how to move forward. Yeah, I, I love that one, too, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is it, it's a way of basically making it easier easier to do something that was hard. I love yeah. that mm-hmm. part a lot. Yeah. In fact, it reminds me, This is, I think the psychology of this is actually very similar. It's a different application, but it's still <laughs> similar. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the positive psychologist, Sean Aker. Um, yeah. written some books and so forth. Okay. Um, he's really good. He, one of, he's really good. One of the things that he has talked about is how he wanted to get back into playing guitar. He used to play guitar and he wanted to get back to I it. I remember. Yeah. Remember that story? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but the problem was, you know, you know it, it, he had the guitar, it was in the case in the closet, but the closet was so far away <laughs> that he never really got up to go pick up the guitar and take yeah. it out. It was, it was a so lot of work fun. to do that. Yeah, yeah, it was so far away. It's Dude, like, it's not visible. You don't see it, right? That's so right, it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he got himself a guitar stand, put it next to his chair in the living room, got the guitar mm. out of the case, put it on the stand. And then the next time he thought about playing a guitar, it was right there. Oh, well, it's easy. So he picked up the guitar and started playing it. And, yeah. and so just by making it more 
easy to get to, easy to, to just access. He broke through yeah. that, that five second barrier that you were talking about. Yeah. So a little different, different application, but very much the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think that the best thing is if you combine different things that works for you. So one thing that I often do is that when I work, when I walk in the mornings, um, I tend to put out my clothes. So I'm putting them mm-hmm. on the floor. So they are like really, I don't have to go to, to the closet and find them or in the laundry bin or something. They are there. So I can just, you know, put them on. <laughs> so it's really, really like the guitar. It's really easy, accessible. I can get it really fast. And then I don't snooze. I, have taught myself because I've been a big snoozer. Uh, I've, I've taught myself that I also can count from five to one when I wake up in the morning. So mm-hmm. five, four, three, two, one, boom, out of the bed. Because if I don't, if I wait for like 10 seconds, I would go, ooh, it's so nice. <laughs> it's so warm. Oh, it's really dark outside. Oh, I'll wait half an hour and then suddenly it's noon and I, <laughs> yep. mm. I'm still not doing the walk. So yes. kind of five, four, three, two, one, just shooting myself out and you don't have to to count always, but just shooting yourself out of it. Don't think, don't allow the brain, don't give it one second to give you an excuse because it will do that and it will do it really fast. And then all the clothes already prepared, so it's very easy for me to put them on and just, you know, walk. When you're saying that, too, it's reminding me. One of my favorite things to do with my listeners now is I love to do nature walks. I love to get out and walk four or five miles a day. And I didn't really do this consciously, but my walking shoes are literally five feet from the door. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I, I suspect somewhere along the line, I decided to put it there because it would make it easier. But I don't know that right. I actually made the connection that if I make it easier, I'll get out and do the walking more often. Yeah. It was, it was more like, I want to go do the walking, so I'm going to make it easier for myself. But still, it's, the yeah. same, it's really the same psychology. It's just, again, differently yeah. applied. I think you're right, because sometimes it's also that if you have too much stops before you're doing your things, like you have to find the shoes, or you have to look for the raincoat, or you have to, you know, all these little stops before, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to kind of let them block you and say, oh, not today, I couldn't find them, and it oh, it's too difficult, and it's hard, I have to try to find all my gears, so you, if you remove that resistance, I think it's really important. I'm also thinking in terms of people who are trying to make significant life changes. Um, one thing that comes to my mind, we, we have a, a Facebook group that I, I basically had let it sit dormant for a few years. And I finally said, you know, I should be building this thing up. So I'm building it up now, getting more people involved. And so we're getting a lot of uh, people really from around the world. Um, who are very new to law of attraction, to what the program's all about and so forth. And as they're coming in, I'm basically being reconfronted with, well, here are the basics that we've talked about for years, but have, we've kind of been leaving it for a while because all, all of our listeners already know the basics. So why do we go? Well, now we got to go back to the basics, which is great. It's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it also reminds me the basics include how you apply these very simple steps to things like, I want to get a new job. I want to have more money in my life. I want to improve my health. My relationships need work. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we can apply these things. And the particular 
hack that we're talking about right now, the, the find a way to make it easy to do right now and then just do it within five seconds. That really does apply to a lot yes. of these situations, doesn't it? Yes, it really does. And if we make them like small hacks and they're easy to do, even though they maybe feels trivial or sounds trivial, mm-hmm. if you stack them over each other, they will create uh, a lot of good change. So if there's a listener who's tuned in, and I'm kind of, again, thinking about some of our, our newer members of the group and, and they're starting to tune into mm. the podcast as well. Um, and let's say right now they're like, like one of the things that we're getting a lot of people who uh, either have uh, work that doesn't pay sufficiently or they don't have work right now and they're trying to get work. Uh, and many of them are in third world countries. So it's a, it's a challenge for them. Mm-hmm. Obviously there, there are, uh, well, obviously from our perspective, there are a couple of things they have to do. They have to adopt their ma- mindset to what it is they're trying to do and not come at it from a, a fearful position because that won't work. But then you also have to take the action, which is what we're talking about here. How do you get that action going? So yeah. if, if we're talking to somebody who's kind of in that spot, like I, I can't seem to uh, get a, a job. I can't seem to get money. I can't seem to, to, to solve all this stuff. And they've got this, this mm. old tape that just been playing for on yeah. and on and on and on. How can they take this particular hack and kind of get themselves into gear? Wow. Um, that is a tough question. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, I like, yeah, I'm really because, known for the tough questions. I'm very, yeah, <laughs> it's very complex because sometimes I like to say that I am the mechanics. So sometimes you have to take your car to the mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because something is not working. So if you have all these negative thoughts that I can't get a job, I can't do it right. Um, uh, I don't know how to do it. There is an element of uh, helplessness, right? I don't have the answer. I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't have the qualification. And that helplessness started somewhere. So if it were me, I would if either go to a coach, and if I, I, if I can't do it, I can't afford it, I would sit down in a meditation for two weeks, you know, a little, like 10 minutes every day. And I would just try to relax within myself. And I will ask, where did I start to feel helpless? Just saying that question and then be quiet. Don't push and don't get annoyed if you don't get the answer from your subconscious mind within 10 minutes. Because sometimes it can take a couple of days or a couple of weeks to get the answer. But a lot of people do. They they get the answer. So maybe you get the answer that it started when you were younger and you felt that you couldn't you couldn't change the environment. Or maybe your parents split up and you 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 couldn't stop it. Or something happened to your baby brother and you couldn't help him. So there is often some events that made you feel that you are helpless. So today, as an adult, if you remember when I talked about the woman with the boundaries, still feeling that um, I can't say no, I don't have any boundaries, you can tell yourself that, okay, hmm, when I was a little girl or a little boy, I felt helpless sometimes, and that's why I still sometimes feel helpless, but I'm not. I can take small, small steps towards the right way. 
And that's why I think your group or and your um, program and everything, courses and workshops are so important because that could provide the tip on how to start these small, small changes and also support from the group because often you feel alone. You feel like, oh, everybody else is succeeding. Everybody else is really good. It's just me. So when you are in a group and you notice that more people have the same feelings or feeling hopeless or helpless or small and they don't know how to do it, you suddenly start to feel, oh, it's not just me. Maybe I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just that the program in me that Mm -hmm. I had from many years back, that's the problem. It's nothing wrong with me. It's my old program still running. And just acknowledging that, that I have an old program in me saying that I'm helpless, I, I can't find a solution, I don't know what to do, and I have to ask everybody else. I don't have the knowledge within me. So sitting in that meditation, asking yourself, noticing that, and say, okay, I have this, and enter one some kind of group that you that you have so you can start working with these small changes and noticing that you have support around you, that is a really good idea. Very helpful. I'm definitely going to make sure that this clip makes it into the group so they can hear what you had to say there because I think that's going to be useful and helpful to a lot of people. So thank you for sharing that. That was really good. Because you're right, it's a complex issue. I mean, especially yeah. for some people, some people come from backgrounds and, and live in countries where it, it can be a real challenge to try Absolutely. To, you know, to, to provide the support for yourself and for your family that you want to support. Yeah. Um, but then again, a lot of that is there is an old program that goes on. It, it almost plays culturally in some places. It, mm. I was, I was just say, uh, thinking yeah. about saying that, that some of these programs is not only in your mind, it's generational. So it's your parents and their parents and you can, you know, several hundreds years back and it's cultural, uh, cultural as well. So, um, yeah, and you have to respect that. Mm. So it's not that easy to just say, but if you can just acknowledge that there is in my, in me or in my family or in the culture that, that we are helpless and we can't do that and in my family. We have never had a, you know, uh, a good job or an education or anything. That is just programs. And if you sit in meditation and just try to find where they start, you will find that either they started within you because you had experiences of it, or you will notice that, oh, that comes from my mother (laughs) or my grandfather. And they always said that we don't have any money or in our family, we don't, we can't afford to go to school. And that becomes your programming. And then you have to challenge it a bit because it's not true. And that is being a rebel. That is challenging and saying that, well, it was true maybe for my parents or their parents, but it doesn't have to be true for me. So Mm -hmm. I can change it, but I need to maybe get some help in a group with like-minded people so I have support and I have a good teacher or two or three that is helping me to see what is the step I need to take. It's like relearning to walk again after a stroke or something. Mm -hmm. So uh, some grown-ups, we have to relearn 
because we haven't learned as a child because our parents weren't able to teach us because they didn't know how to do it. And then we grow up and then we think I'm stupid because I don't know how to do it and everybody else seems to figure it out. But we don't realize that maybe we come from a family that didn't taught us. They didn't know how to do it. So it's kind of after a stroke, you have to relearn to walk again or talk or something. Mm. So it's the same thing. Going to your groups is kind of relearning something that your parents should have taught you or when you were a little kid, but they couldn't. So finding your groups is finding wise people and wise teacher that can relearn something so from start. So, and that is a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful answer too. That's really, really well done. I mean, I, cause I put you on the spot and you just, you, you came through like a champion. So thank you for that. Oh, and thank, thank you. <laughs> and, and thank you for taking this time to, you know, to spend this hour with us and, and share your hacks, your insights and so forth, because it's been really good. Before we part company though, you got to give people an idea of where they can learn more about you. I'm sure you have a website and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So just give people an idea. How do they reach out and find Karen Titan? Yeah, so the easiest way is to go to www and then my name dot dot com and they will find the English version of my site because otherwise they come to the Swedish one, they won't understand the that, thing. That won't work too well, no. <laughs> no. So there they will find my email if they want to email me or something or they want to book a session. And um if they think that, no, that's not for me, but I'm a little bit curious about the book, you can buy Mind Hacking for Rebels, you know, in bookstores. You can find it mm-hmm. on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and, like, kind of everywhere. Very good. Well, this has been yeah. great. That was, I mean, really, this has been a very, very good session. I've loved it very much. And uh, what, what do you think, too. Alex, do we, we miss anything? I think we covered most of it. I mean, she's missing out. No, I think we got it. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think we pretty much nailed it. So <laughs> the only sad part is Dan couldn't Great. make it. I, I, he wasn't able to, to resolve the uh, reboot issue, I guess. But uh, that's right. We'll catch him next yeah. week. So thank you, Karen, for joining us. And thank you, Alex. Thank, thank you to you. our live streamers. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.